0: Hello, my name is Andrew Denny, and I welcome you to Couture and Construction, a weekly podcast featuring conversations with talented, prominent guests to shed light on the stories behind the scenes of luxury build and design. This week, we're joined by Beth Hudgens of Renaissance Tile and Bath. Episode 87, serving the architectural and design community as a vendor. Serving the A&D community as a vendor is a world complete with its own vernacular and personality. One of the first rules of sales is to understand your customer. And to sell to A&D professionals, you must speak their language and create opportunities that provide value. Now more than ever, you have to have the best building materials, marketing, sales tools, and techniques to ensure you're staying in touch with the architectural and design community in a way that engages them. In today's episode, we look at ways to build and maintain relationships with the A&D community as a vendor. With guest Beth Hudgens of Renaissance Tile and Bath. Beth is a Nashville native and has been with Renaissance for 10 years. Prior to Renaissance, she worked at Restoration Hardware. She not only represents the vendor side, but also went through a new house build of her own in Franklin during the pandemic. Beth, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Let's let's, uh, dive in.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: So, first off, Nashville native. That's kind of a unicorn these days. It
1: is. There's actually three of us in my showroom.
0: Oh, really? Are you kidding me? That's pretty awesome.
1: Lindsay and Anna are both from Nashville as well.
0: Oh, that's very cool. So, you've seen a lot of change here over the over the years.
1: Absolutely. The Nashville skyline keeps evolving. Yeah. And if you drive through at night now, you really see that it's evolved. Oh, my so It doesn't look like Nashville it's, anymore. It does
0: not look like Nashville. How... Uh, as far as expansion, you've been doing this 10 to 20 years between uh, Renaissance and, and Restoration Hardware. We were just talking before we started recording. What do you think the, the fastest period of growth of Nashville has been Ooh. in that time?
1: Really? In the last five years? That,
0: that's what I would I, think, too.
1: I, I think really, if you count all the skyscrapers mm-hmm. downtown, it's it's just evolving quickly because of everyone moving here. Yeah, yeah. So codes have changed. Zoning's changed, and downtown, really, it's nothing like what I remember.
0: Yeah, no, it's totally different. It's like you you can go on vacation there, and you'll see a new part of Nashville that wasn't there a few years ago. It's like, I might as well be in a totally different city.
1: Yes, I didn't know they closed down Nashville at night on the weekends either from Fifth Avenue down. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no more driving, (laughs) no more driving, which is relatively new. So that – Nashville has experienced a tremendous amount of growth and, um, in, in that very fortunate to work in an industry that's, uh, benefited from that growth. So luxury building, interior design architecture, uh, um, those are all, uh, you know, jobs, but there's vendors that serve those people so that they can do their jobs well. And vendors are people like Beth and I that, you know, Beth represents, um, Renaissance, which is, you know, interior finishes. I, I do textures, which is interior finishes, but it takes like an army of people with, um, a set to be able to advise the professional trades within our industry. So I just want to kind of want to dive in there. And discuss the various aspects of vendor life, including, you know, uh, how we even start to begin relationships with the architectural and design community and what it takes to be part of that community and serve them well.
1: Absolutely. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, When I started at Renaissance, I had no knowledge of tile. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it was a lot of learning curve and getting in and, when you start reaching out to the architects and designers, the one thing that they really need to know is that you know your stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So knowledge, education, and confidence is so important in that. And then starting from there, truly understanding who your market is. You know, we sell high-end luxury, hard surface materials, and plumbing. So how do you go to someone knowing that that's what you need to sell but it's not what your past is. And fortunately mm-hmm. for me, I came from restoration hardware, mm-hmm. so a lot of the clients overlapped. Sure. And I'm married to a builder, <laughs> so I had mm-hmm. a different viewpoint mm-hmm. of the building process. But getting into meeting with new a and clients, it really takes a lot to sit down and digest who's going to fit your client base the best mm. and how are you able to serve them so that when you do the outreach to them, you're coming in with something that's beneficial to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, rather than just showing up and expecting their time. You know? A
0: sales pitch. Yes,
1: because yeah. we don't want to be the used car salesman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no one likes that person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being open and honest about what you can do and what you can't do, mm-hmm. I think, has always been my first approach to everything. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I have found that that's so sharing what you don't do and knowing what you're not capable of is just as powerful as sharing what you do. Um, because there's a lot of overlapping lines. Um, as an example, we have a a great client in right now, we install things on the floor. She has a need right now for things on the ceiling. We can give material for that, but we can't service that need. Um, that would be an example, and and we can't because our our people. That's a different trade. Absolutely. Okay, that's probably the difference between a, a finished carpenter and a flooring installer. Just that one little thing. Now, can they do it? Yes, but can we stand <laughs> behind it and and know that they're getting the absolute best product that they can get? No, or the best service that they can get? No. But it, it seems almost counterintuitive because there's so much you have to learn. And I, I remember getting into this industry, uh, gosh, now more than 20 years ago, uh, in realizing very quickly how incredibly technical everything was. <laughs> it was incredibly overwhelming. Um and I'm sure, you know, Beth manages a, a team and has a really strong team. Is that something that you notice with the, the young people getting into this industry? Is, do they, are they unaware of how technical it is before they get in?
1: I think so. <laughs> uh, I know when I took over 10 years ago, Shelby came from design school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is her degree. Mm-hmm. But taking that and implementing it into what we do. Is very different. You're not doing the full design. You've Mm -hmm. got one specific section of a home, Mm -hmm. which is going to include how well you can read blueprints. Mm -hmm. If you're able to do AutoCAD, um, all the different tools, sketch it. And then how good you are with the scale? (laughs) (laughs) Because I know that was my biggest adjustment was getting used to using a scale on blueprints and then learning how to understand how our materials worked in certain settings to be able to communicate it effectively, but then also go back and work with installers to ensure that what we were able to install worked with the design to make Mm -hmm. the homeowner happy. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely different.
0: And that's where the magic happens. So you're having to right there, you have to basically speak three different languages. So if you're new to this industry and if you're a a young person or an old person wanting to get into this industry, I think what Beth just mentioned is a really um, important thing to understand. One, your installers are going to speak one version of this language, and it's totally different than what your clients speak. And then both of them will not speak the same language as what the GC or the designer speak. So you are having to understand three different people's perspective on what's possible, what's not possible. And really, I think to to be Sound at this business, be able to translate that information to all three of those people to where it makes sense to everybody involved. Absolutely. Is that kind of fair? <laughs> Especially with it, tile. Tile yeah. to me is is one of the most technical things because you have wall tile, you have floor tile, you have and and to the layman, you may not realize that there's any difference in those two things, but there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. Um and that's an easy thing. like that's a super easy thing right there to to understand. But all of this stuff is so technical. What is the application? What is the warranty? What can we stand behind? What's possible? What's not possible? And being able to bridge all of that information is is hard <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's a lot. And, um, it, and
0: takes experience and time.
1: Yes, absolutely. And building relationships with your installers. Um, not just your designers, but the installers really bring together the vision of what yeah. a designer and homeowner wants. And if you can't communicate effectively from point A to point B, it's not going to come out the right way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you're going to have issues in the future. And the last thing I want to do is have a homeowner invest in part of their house that to me is structural. Mm-hmm. Tile really is something that a homeowner should love. For the future and -hmm. not want to change out in five years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of the foundation. Everything else that goes on it is where your color comes from and your vision. But an installer is a critical part of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that people in this industry don't put a lot of thought into
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, and why it's so expensive. Mm
0: -hmm. Because you
1: really do pay for what you get.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the difference between a well-installed product and not is you might as well have not invested the money on the material to begin with. Because um,
1: like you're gonna tear it out, and start yeah. Out.
0: It's it's not it's not pretty. It it does yeah. It doesn't like that. How do your how do you in your team continue to lean into maintaining and building relationships? Mm-hmm. What is it? What you all do? Uh, and it's interesting for for like. Us and I'm sure we've had the same clients for you know now a couple decades in some cases. Um, what do you What do you think the secret to that to that client becoming an advocate, not just a client, but an advocate for you and your team is?
1: It's funny because we actually have a few builders who love to send us their homeowners now that aren't working with designers. Um, I think again, I said earlier that you know honesty and open communication mm-hmm. is key. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes. But what we really have tried to do over the last ten years mm-hmm. is really develop those relationships based on how we benefit a designer. We're such a small part of the process, and when designers are working on a large, you know, five to ten thousand square foot home, It really is important that we know what we're doing, and we've always propositioned ourselves as let us be that servant on that side for you. Mm -hmm. You make the selections, and from there, you're done. You Mm -hmm. get to step away from it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to communicate with your builder. I'm going to communicate with your installer. It shouldn't be something you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Now, installation process, there's always things that come up. Mm -hmm. But we've always tried to position ourselves as that unpaid person in your office. Mm -hmm. You know, we can take it away. It's our product knowledge, our expertise. You focus on everything else with your client because there's so much more after us. Mm-hmm. So we want to always be the person they call. If there's a problem, I'm just going to pick up the phone, call mm-hmm. Shelby. Mm-hmm. And because we're really good at that, and for some reason, everyone comes to us for the impossible to find. <laughs> <laughs> granted, if it's a green tile from the 1920s, uh, we can probably find someone to color match it. And we've gotten really good at doing that. And I think a lot of our business has come from that. You know, it's not the funnest thing to dig through and find a pea green tile from 1920. <laughs> but being able to fill that for a client mm-hmm. and then word of mouth comes from that. Yeah. yeah. And I think word of mouth for us has been our biggest driving factor because we don't do a lot of public advertising. Mm-hmm. It really is. We worked with the builder. We were efficient. It was easy for him. He didn't have to have his hands in all the time. So then he's like, you know, I've got another homeowner. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Just send him in, tell us the budget you want us to mm-hmm. stay in and we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. So being capable following through, over-communicating, those are keys that we really have to stick with to keep the clients happy, keep them coming back, and then being a problem solver when needed. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of problem solving that comes up in our industry.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I think that – I think you just hit the nail on the head is the communication and, and, and being the solution. Like, being the solution – to in in the trustworthy solution to be able to get these things done um uh, kind of a counterintuitive but, uh, but or not counterintuitive, but somewhat of a gloomy subject. I mean, we have our warts. I know, I'm, I'm sure your company has had customer service issues that you've had to deal with. Speaking uh, particularly about relationships and, and where hurt feelings, have you seen a common denominator where you're having to deal with customer service related issues? Um, and for me, what, what comes, what comes up is that it really does come back to communication. There was some sort of missed expectation somewhere that wasn't covered, and it leads to a missed expectation. Uh, but we have repetitively seen that, you know. To me, that's probably the number one cause of of, of issues, uh, at least in our business, is is communication. So having people that don't over, or that are not afraid to over communicate is really a plus might be annoying sometimes, but
1: you know what it might be, but that's okay. And it's funny because I preach it in my showroom and I preach it with my kids. Mm -hmm. There's never too much information. Yeah. It could be annoying, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day I can go back and I can go through my emails and I can find exactly Mm -hmm. what a conversation was. And there's lots of times that we'll sit in the showroom and we openly communicate with each other about, okay, Hey, I've got this going on here's what I think, what do y'all think, what's the best way of handling it? And we we talk about it as a team, you mm-hmm. know, okay, mm-hmm. well, what are our options? How do we fix it? Mm-hmm. And we have found, you know, sometimes it's it's totally something that was missed of, oh, my goodness, we didn't, yeah. you know, reiterate that this changed. So, I mean, we had it three months ago with um, one of our clients. There was miscommunication that came from the installer mm. Mm. that no. Got back to the homeowner, <laughs> and the wrong materials mm-hmm. got ordered. Mm-hmm. And um, we caught it after, of course, everything shipped. But it was one of those, it was just a little blip in the equation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we took the materials back, we ate the freight cost, mm-hmm. and got her what she wanted. Because yeah. cause that's how you do it. And there's always going to be opportunity. And you probably owned
0: it as well. You yeah, probably said, absolutely. hey, listen, we went back, evaluated this, we miscommunicated, really sorry, we're going to make it right.
1: Yeah, because we're human. And yeah. even though there's processes in place, I mean, we have sign-offs, we have checklists. Mm-hmm. But again, we deal with a homeowner, a mm-hmm. designer, a builder, an installer who signs off on the paperwork and who really gets the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where it does really become important to have that relationship with your builder and your installer that they get the right information. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. always get from point A to point B. No. But then everyone comes back to me about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Yeah. Here's all the information. Let's make sure so and so's got it, or let's meet at the job site and do a walk through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It just happens, and we're so busy right now. It's it's telling everyone to take a second, breathe. Don't let anyone just had this conversation last week. Sometimes designers get behind, builders might get behind, and then it's fast, 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 fast. Mm -hmm. We've learned that if people push fast. That's where opportunities for error come.
0: Absolutely. So we just
1: had a a conversation last week of, hey, I know everyone right now wants to finish out before the end of the year. Please take a second and explain to them, you know, hey, I'm going to get this to you by the end of the day, but I can't do it right now because I need time to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think as frustrating as that can be in the moment, we come back and we realize, oh, had I sent this to you, it would have had two errors in it. You know, by taking that extra hour or two hours, I'm preventing issues in the future. Mm-hmm. And being okay with communicating that way to clients. It um, can be a challenge, but I'm very proud that my girls have really learned to speak that way.
0: hmm hmm Well, and I think that there is a level of assertiveness that's needed in this as well. And that comes back to uh, wanting to serve well. Um, this is, I, if this exists, I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, you know, we deal with things um, that are really important to somebody from a design perspective. So emotion gets brought into the equation. And anytime that happens, it's been my experience that that means conflict has the potential to happen. Now, conflict's not a dirty word, but you have to be able to be assertive and get your point across because we we deal with um, you know in a demanding industry, and I don't use demanding as a as a as a negative. Uh, we're we're serving um, well. We're serving like a design vision. Mm-hmm. So and the people that are behind that. So it all is very very personal. Tell me about some of the things that you and your team do to develop. Your skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some of the keys? Um, how do you take maybe somebody that's new to this industry? And what are some of the things that you guys do to develop yourselves ongoing and then get people up to speed?
1: Product knowledge is number one. Uh, once I start a new person, I have a routine that I go through, and I get all of my top vendors and I make them do the training one on one, and then I fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So making sure like Anna's new to this industry, even though she's not a designer and she's our showroom coordinator, it's really important for her to know the products because then she can't support us if she doesn't. Mm -hmm. So walking her through who a vendor is, what they do, if they specialize in stone, if they're a ceramics person, what that means Mm -hmm. and why we work with them. Mm -hmm. So the vendors that we work with are very selective. Um, We work well with them because we know their standards replicate our standards mm-hmm. and a lot of them do training um, shelby and i've both been to exmoor virginia with new arena mm. walked through their warehouses hand clipped our own stuff made our own mosaics uh, mine's at home and <laughs> shelby's used to be on her desk um, lindsay has been to pratt and larson in portland oregon oh, wow. and walked through their factory she got to make her own ceramics there So a lot of the vendors really want you to understand Mm -hmm. their product. Sure. So we are constantly going through training. Anytime new products roll out, uh, whether it be a water jet out of stone or a new ceramic collection, the vendors really come to us and teach us. Because Mm -hmm. if we don't know their product, we can't sell it. And our product is more Mm high-end. So what we sell versus what a floor and decor sells. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it may be a marble mosaic, but what's the difference and why am I paying three times the cost versus floor and decor? Mm-hmm. So us being able to speak to a client about what you're really paying for, why you want the difference, and helping them understand that difference. Mm-hmm. And if I don't teach it to my staff or the vendor doesn't teach it to them, then they can't share that knowledge with sure. the client. And there is a reason things are more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, Things are made in America versus overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got all the little details in grout joints and how Mm -hmm. they're separated on a mosaic. If it's mesh mounted or face taped, there's so many little details and I need to be able to make sure that we can teach that to a homeowner so that they understand the value in what they're getting.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how long of a process if you had to assign it and let's use your business as an example, Um, somebody just joining What's the time horizon that you give people to really get up to speed that you would trust them handling one of your top clients uh, in a pinch? A year. A year.
1: Yeah. We as a company give everyone a year before we kind of throw them to the deep end. Expectations, <laughs> yeah. Because it, there is, and specifically in what we do, because it's not just tile, it's also plumbing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and learning all the little details in that. It does take time. Especially if you're not doing the same thing every Mm -hmm. time you're with Mm a client. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not doing a lot of plumbing and six months down the road, I do an entire house worth of plumbing and it's a car wash shower and you have to understand how the valves work, the gallons per minute work, and create those formulas, the more you do it, the better you're at it. Mm -hmm. But you may not have the opportunity to (laughs) do certain things a lot. Yeah, yeah. So um, we as a company... Push, 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 drive, drive, develop, develop. But really, it takes a good year. I mean, just for me, I was studying at home. You know, I took a vendor apart on the weekends and really tried to understand how they made things, where their mm-hmm. products came from, so that I could be up to par so I could mm-hmm. help teach my staff. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of product knowledge and you're constantly learning, constantly evolving. So, I mean, even at 10 years, I'm still learning some things that are new mm-hmm. and changing. And the industry changes. Mm-hmm. So standards mm-hmm. change over time, too.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, not only are you trying to learn it, but the industry is changing while you're trying to learn it. So you're almost always behind. I mean, technology, yeah. uh, you know, has impacted everything, but it certainly has in- impacted our industries pretty significantly. Uh and, and just backing up, I think that I, what I have noticed is it takes a full 120 days for people to have a grasp on the vocabulary in building. And that's if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, that's probably the vocabulary of your specific industry. I think it's about 120 days. So I think a year gives you – You know, you're going to be able to start talking the talk. You'll certainly be an expert compared to somebody that knows nothing, but you're at the beginning of the journey at a year.
1: And I think you have to be open to telling your clients that in the get-go. Oh, totally. hey, I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make sure I get you the right answer. That's right. But I may not be able to answer everything in this meeting, but I'm going to follow up with you with that.
0: And then that follow-up is, that's really the key. That's really the key. Um. So, how does the organizational structure and sales cycle affect the ability to successfully serve the A and D community? What challenges do you face? Do we face? And what I mean by that is, is we work on projects that have a long life cycle, a really long life cycle, and we may, um, you know, be in the specification stage uh, for a project that may not be you know, we may not be putting flooring in for two or three years from now. Um, so talk to us about how that how that works in your business and just what that looks like and, and what are some of the things you guys have done to be able to kind of overcome some of those obstacles.
1: A lot of our clients will come in well in advance before construction even starts. So we are doing specifications based on budgeting mm. and a lot of things. So, custom builds are very different than spec builds um, where you've got that set budget you can get a homeowner who doesn't mind how much they spend so you're really just picking selections and it doesn't have anything to do with the budget Um, or you're given a budget knowing it's not going to be built for two years Mm -hmm. and And having to think okay so let's build in a 10 percent buffer Mm -hmm. to cover the cost especially in the last few years Mm -hmm. with COVID, it's really affected costing. So you have to kind of go back and redo a lot. Um, But we have tried to just stay on top of everything. I have a file of old projects that I'll meet and asking again, communication, you know, what's your timeline? Where are you at in the building process? Do you even have building permits Mm -hmm. and knowing if it's Williamson County Mm -hmm. versus Davidson you know, Sumner, each county's a little different. So again, having to learn where you're building and what you're working with will also dictate the sales process and you know when does my client need to purchase. Um, and we also do a lot of custom, just like you've got your flooring with your lead times. Mm-hmm. You know if I've got a large stone project that's more than five hundred square feet, more than likely, I'm special ordering that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And depending on what part of the world it comes from, you know we have to know, Okay, well, it's going to take eight months to get that from the factory for this special job. So, if we know that the builder's goal is to start framing here, then I have to kind of do the math backwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, really, depending on the scale of the project and the timeline, you're constantly looking at all the other factors that Mm -hmm. go into it, you know, knowing if framing's done, if your HVAC's done all those little bits and kind of going back from there. And we get a lot of walk-ins too. We're like, okay, well, we're going to remodel and we're going to tear it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to show you these yeah, products because yeah, these yeah. are available. Yeah. Don't look at anything else because you're not going to get it. Yeah.
0: And that's, and that's uh, I guess that's something very interesting, knowing what questions to ask. And that's a that's a pretty simple one. When do you need it? But that can dictate what the offerings are. Absolutely. I mean, it's just that simple.
1: I think we start almost every conversation of, is this something you need now or is it something you can wait on?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's your budget? Where do you want to spend it? Mm-hmm. Because you can have a $50,000 budget, but you're looking at Calcutta and you want to do a whole master bathroom, walls, mm-hmm. shower, floors, custom mosaics. That can eat through that 50000 very quickly. Very, very quickly. Um, so it's it's understanding, you know, what's really the priority and the vision and, and how do we help the client achieve that? But how are we also responsible with what they're giving us to achieve it on?
0: Love it. So, um, I have one more question for you. How do you keep your team energized?
1: (laughs) We have a lot of fun in my showroom. Um, you know, it's, it's us five women in there and, Shelby and I've been together for 10 years. Lindsay and Vanessa have been there for four. Anna's our newest. And we kind of are just our own little family. Mm -hmm. And we know all about each other's kids. We talk about what we do on the weekends. I've done retail for so long and worked in a mall and Mm -hmm. did everything with 60 plus staff. And I think having my staff of four with me is one of the best things I've ever had, um, we're big enough as a company that we feel like we're a large company, but we're small enough that we're still intimate. Mm-hmm. So we really bring that into the showroom. I don't take our showroom seriously, as in we're very stuffy. Mm-hmm. We like to have fun and engage with our clients. We keep the music fun, relaxed atmosphere, and really at the end of the day, we sell tile yeah, and plumbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we're not in a hospital. We're not mm-hmm. performing brain surgery or heart surgery. Yeah. Um, you know we're not sending anybody to the moon. Mm-hmm. It's tile and plumbing, mm-hmm. and we don't. Everything is serious as far as we want to make the client happy, but we want everybody to come in and be enjoyable. Yeah, it's got yeah. to be warm and welcoming. Yeah, and, and I think we we're just no, we just have fun. We
0: well, cut up with each other. I, I love that, and it does. <laughs> and I can tell you, being a uh, neighbor, um, it always looks like uh, your your showroom is. Um, people are happy. So, so that's good. And that there's a good, good juju in there as far as like a vibe going. So uh, tell me something that you'd like to promote about Renaissance tile and bath. So for those of you listening, uh, we're in the Nashville design collective. um, And there's 14, 15 um, luxury design showrooms in this roof uh, under, under roof in this building. It's 50, 60,000 square foot building. uh, And, Renaissance is a a couple doors up from Textures, which is where we record this podcast. So um, tell, tell our listeners that may not be familiar with you what it is you guys do and just something you'd like to share or promote about Renaissance.
1: Yeah, we are a luxury tile and plumbing showroom. So, we're going to carry hard surfaces for your home, floors, walls, ceilings, all that fun stuff, um, as well as luxury plumbing. So, Calista, um, Roll, Victorian Albert, Newport Brass, all nice finishings. Um, one thing I don't think a lot of people, especially if they're not familiar with us, we've actually been in Nashville for over 20 years. We used to be on Broadway, so moved over here. One of the nice things with moving was when we got to remodel it all, Almost every floor in our showroom is what we stock. Mm. Oh, so very cool. We import a significant amount of materials into Atlanta, where our corporate headquarters are. We have our own warehouse with our own warehouse staff there. So we import from Morocco, mm. Asia, Italy, Spain, uh, Portugal, Venezuela, all kinds of places that I think people don't see us necessarily as an importer, but we do. And that enables us to kind of cut out a middleman and have better pricing. Mm -hmm. So we have gotten feedback over the years that we're just a really expensive showroom. Well, we have the really expensive, more than happy to sell it to you. But at the end of the day, we have a little bit of everything for everyone's home. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we want you to have what you want, but not everybody wants a $50,000 master bathroom. So it's important that we can really service the community with all of its needs. And we can do special order, pretty much anything. So again, natural stone that they want 800 square feet of a specific size of any of our stones. We can get that direct from factory.
0: And that's really cool.
1: Yes. So we, that's can, really, do, really cool. we can do a little bit of everything.
0: And how long has your company been around?
1: Over 30 years. Wow. So wow. we have six showrooms in the South plus Chicago. Uh, we're in Atlanta, Dallas, Charlotte, DC, Nashville, and Chicago.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. So really cool. Where does Nashville rank as far as uh, like size?
1: Uh, Physically, we're the smallest showroom (laughs) since we moved. uh, We have our boutique set up. But we're probably middle of the road. Our um, Chicago showroom is really big. We purchased them, I guess, four years ago from um, an industry partner that our owners have been friends with for a very long time, which was nice. It's a very different market from down here. Yeah, yeah, very. Um, Dallas is also very large. Okay, cool. So Atlanta's our biggest because they're spoiled. They get everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's beautiful. I mean, it really is a beautiful showroom, right there at ADAC. Okay. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, now it's time for rapid fire. So, um, Beth, salty or sweet? Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Mobile app you could not live without.
1: Life three sixty.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> that I are game like...
1: changer. So we
0: were we were talking about that before before the show. How do you take your coffee? Lots of creamer. Lots of creamer. Any sort of flavor.
1: Peppermint Mocha. Uh, yeah. It's in my refrigerator right now.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, Beth, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your perspective on serving the architectural and design community. How can our guests find and follow you?
1: Okay. We are on Instagram for our showroom. It is Rental underscore Nashville. Love for everybody to follow along. Anna is our Instagram specialist, and we really do try to focus... Actually, a lot of new material that we keep on there. Okay, cool. New samples that come in, install shots. So, yeah, that's fun. Fun page.
0: That's actually one of the really fun things about this industry is when it's all done and installed. That's uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, Okay, folks. Well, listen, Beth, thanks again. Really, really appreciated it. Um, Check out our show notes, and we'll uh, have a link uh, so you can follow Beth. We'll be back next week, and until then, I'm your host, Andrew Denny. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share Couture and Construction, and we want to hear your feedback. So please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Couture and Construction is brought to you by Textures Nashville produced by Davis Osborne and Chelsea Rand, and is recorded live in the Textures Nashville showroom, located within the Nashville Design Collective.